And I want to point to an article that both of you co-wrote together for The Independent. And the title of that was, I was the target of alt-right death threats across the internet. Here's what happened next. And this actually brings in Quillette again, because there was an article they published in which uh, several writers, several journalists were named. Um, and apparently there was uh, also some other, I think Andy No was actually a part of this as well, but sort of uh, naming specific people, including, uh, uh, I know Alexander, you were named, and uh, Shane, I can't remember if you were named in that as well. But the the idea here is that in that article, both of you discuss how, you know, once that was out, once they started kind of labeling certain journalists as, oh, they're Antifa or, or whatever, or, or, or very sympathetic and working on their side, there was apparently a video that was released uh, by, was it Adam Waffen or something associated with Adam Waffen, the sort of neo-Nazi group, and they were like basically creating a kill list uh naming journalists so i just want to point to that because i mean kind of think about what the implications are of of trying to write articles like that and frame it in that way and how you know when you put people out like that even if it's entirely bullshit journalism or or whatever you want to call it there are dangerous groups of people that are actually willing to engage in violence against certain people so i wanted to ask you both about your maybe personal experiences, or maybe if you don't want to talk about that, but just sort of frame it in a way that we can kind of understand what's at stake here when publications like Quillette are acting really irresponsibly in how they publish their information. Um, uh, I don't know, Alexander, if you had anything you wanted to share on that first. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was Andy who actually brought Shane into it. I think that Shane was relatively clear, but then Andy brought him into it in some tweet. Yeah, that, that's right. I wasn't named in the original article. Andy No just decided to, to single me out after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the tweet was remarkably similar to an article that was published in an Australian white nationalist website called XYZ. Um, so it really looks like Andy just pulled some information from XYZ and posted it on Twitter as sort of like a follow-up to this kind of really bizarre um uh article that they had which i mean i know that they they like vetted the article through an editorial process and andy wasn't the editor who vetted it but the editor who did vet it was not like a data journalist and doesn't have a lot of experience with data journalism and and the article itself was completely torn apart by a an actual sort of data uh, a specialist named Erin Gallagher. She just kind of went through every single thing that was wrong with the article and sort of tore it to shreds. Um, but the important thing here is not even necessarily like the fact that the journalism was significantly flawed. It's really, it's really the, the two things. First of all, you can't, you, you just can't release a list of people to the far right and expect everything to be hunky-dory. Like, the, the <laughs> far right is completely, you know, stocked to the brim with, you know, um, mass murderers. I mean, the, 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 uh, the whole scene is encouraging this kind of tilt toward uh, civil war in the United States, and the most violent part of the of the scene is actually you know 4chan 8chan sort of like school shooters and and 
you know, uh, mass murders. So, so, you know, they're really playing with fire, even though they pretend that this is a very intellectual type of thing. And, you know, so second of all, it's the accusation that matters. The accusation is that, you know, journalists like Jason Wilson from The Guardian, for example, are absolutely biased in favor of Antifa. And, you know, the sort of the support for that is that they're against fascism. Mm-hmm. And you just can't have a litmus test of journalists neutra- journalistic neutrality as, well, they're neither for nor against fascism. You know, fascism is imminently hostile to journalism. It's hostile to the truth. It's hostile to fact. And, um, you know, it has no place in, in a society where journalism matters. And I think that that's really what threatens them at the end of the day. Yeah, I... Um, I think it, it, it's good to go back to Andy No a little bit. Um, you know, the person who wrote that original article was not Andy No. Um, that article about the the so-called um, association between Antifa and journalism, but you know, in a lot of ways, it's the same kind of mode of thinking. I mean, what the article sought to do was to say that these journalists were illegitimate because of the research they did, perhaps the supposed uh, ideologies that they held, though there's not a lot of evidence as to what those ideologies actually were. Um, or the fact that they simply write things that aren't very affirmative about racists. Um, and so it was uh, looking at a huge, huge range of, of really professional journalists and to do this for their job and singling them out for things that, frankly, humans should not be singled out for. Um, and that went a lot further. You know, after we wrote the article, there was a complaint from the original author that we couldn't be. Um, objective anyway, because of, you know, whatever they think our politics are. As if to be a journalist, you have to be a, a person without opinions, without any kind of civic engagement whatsoever. And then Andy No has kind of continued this even further. Um, and, and I think to a way that's, that's just as kind of violently irresponsible. So recently we had a weekend that was that had two mass shootings in it. We had the one in El Paso that was very clearly tied to a white nationalist manifesto. No mystery there. We know exactly what it was. The second one happened in Dayton, Ohio, and there's a lot of mystery there. People actually don't know why that happened. There's not a lot of uh, information about it. What people are able to glean from the, the uh, shooter's social media was that they maybe had marginally left-leaning views, but also seemed to have deep, deep misogyny, which you know puts them into a long line of mass shooters. Um, what Andy No did was then look at that very, very little bit of marginal left-wing ideas and then created an article with the headline of, was the Ohio shooter the first Antifa, uh, or the, was the, the Ohio shooting the first Antifa mass shooting? Um, there's no evidence to this fact. But all he had to do was make that assumption. Then what he did was found any journalist that essentially the the shooter was following or maybe retweeted at some point and put them in there and like basically publicized that those people um, were, I don't even know what the assumption was, connected in some way in these tweets that basically lead people to then be threatened by a lot of Andy Norris' very large following. Now, Andy has a lot of plausible deniability. He says, oh, I'm just asking questions. I was just wondering why that was happening. But he knows exactly what he's doing. He's putting people up to a point, making an assumption that that somehow the shooter is connected to Antifa, and then that these journalists are then connected to the shooter, which makes a sense of responsibility. And it makes people viscerally angry. People react with rage, much more so than logic in those situations. And we're talking about mainstream journalists and activists now are suddenly on the hook for the mass shooter, even though they have no connection to it whatsoever. And so I think that by doing this kind of activity, by making these sorts of, like, 
gossipy allegations, it puts people up for very real violence because what he's doing is drumming up a, a significant amount of guttural rage and then throwing individuals into the fire of it. 